Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. What shocker will stun the Big Brother house next? I don't know. What's going on? Please give me a twist. A two-hour celebrity Big Brother tonight at 9 on Global. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Keep in mind that Andre Sekera will play tonight for the Bakersfield Condors in the American Hockey League against the San Jose Barracuda. Sekera on a conditioning assignment from the Edmonton Oilers. If it goes well, then maybe very soon he could be on the Oilers' blue line, and we'll have more on that on the face-off show at 3.30 tomorrow afternoon. Just one game in the NHL tonight. It is Carolina and the New York Rangers. No score two minutes into the second period. The U of A Golden Bears' final regular season weekend in Canada West. They are visiting the Calgary Dinos tonight. The Bears are 22-3-1 on the season. The Dinos 18-6-2. They will be at Claire Drake. Uh, Claire Drake Arena tomorrow. Hey, I got uh, this text saying, uh, hey, Reed, could you give a shout-out to the U of A Pandas hockey team? Tonight is the last regular season home game, 7 o'clock, Claire Drake Arena. If the Pandas win one game this weekend, they will solidify first place in Canada West. Currently, they have two athletes in the top three in scoring in the entire nation. Happy to give that shout-out to the Pandas. Actually, the producer of the show, Dave Campbell, and I uh, talking about having a Pandas hockey guest on the show next week on Inside Sports. We look forward to that. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you for tuning in tonight. You can text 630-630. Kellen, somebody is, is questioning you on the text line. Uh-oh. What's up? <laughs> Jeff says Hi Jeff Sean Michaels theme was composed by Jimmy Hart not Jim Johnson do you have a rebuttal uh, let me look and see I know that Jimmy Hart did take a uh, or was part of the creative uh, process of it uh, to take a look and see who the right. actual song so is you, credited you to you accept so that you're being disputed that's fine in the interest of accuracy we'll check it out and we're not doubting Jeff we just gotta get to the bottom of this you're going to have to remind me, Kellen, because this is the type of thing. We'll, we'll, we'll get it later in the show. We'll, we can get it later on. It takes a while to search this stuff up anyway, so. Well, is there a Wikipedia page for composers of wrestling intro songs? There are. There's not a Wikipedia page for There that. is. There is not. There is. You're toying with it's me. It's the internet. There's a Wikipedia page for everything. There's not a, you don't have a Wikipedia page. Not yet. Jeff, why don't you make a Wikipedia page for Kellen, and Kellen will check the the facts here. I don't uh, think I'd want to read my Wikipedia page to tell you the truth. Yeah, what photo would you want? Yeah, exactly. Uh, 
That could be ugly. All right. It's uh, it's 7.08. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. Oilers and Sharks tomorrow, 3.30 face-off show. We'll have the play-by-play for you at 5 o'clock. Hey, this is uh, really cool. They, they announced the uh, induction class for this year's Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. The ceremony is going to be June 15th. Jason Bay is going in. Ryan Dempster is going in. As is this man. Now, he's currently VP of Baseball Projects with the Milwaukee Brewers, but you remember him for a long tenure with the Toronto Blue Jays, including stints as both the assistant general manager and the GM. Welcome to Inside Sports, Gord Ash. Gord, how are you doing? Very good. How about you? Oh, I'm doing great. It's great to have you on the show, and uh, i got to jump right in here, Gord. Gord Ash, member of the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame, or you will be pretty soon. How does that sound? That sounds great. Totally unexpected. Uh, was caught by surprise when I got the call and uh, certainly very honored to be a part of that group. Well, it's pretty cool. And I want to talk to you about your path to the hall because it's such a great story. But but I think I do want to start with a memory or two of Roy Halladay, who unfortunately we lost way too soon. And he's going into the Baseball Hall of Fame, which is an incredible honor for him. You know, you're strongly connected, obviously, uh, you know, drafted while you're with the Blue Jays. Before we maybe talk about Roy as a player, what can you tell us about Roy, the person that maybe, you know, people who weren't around the Blue Jays all the time didn't get to see? A very, very intense competitor, uh, loved to prepare, work, very strong work ethic. Uh, you know, he had, uh, he, I think what the word tenacious comes to mind, uh, he, he went into every game uh, hoping to complete that game and you know, one of the standout stats that he has as he enters the hall is he's had more complete games over the last decade than any other pitcher. So that's pretty impressive. So uh, I, I think those are, are really the attributes. I mean, he was, uh, you know, you don't get to see the player away from the field uh, very often. So I can't tell you about that part of it. But as far as being around the ballpark, uh, that was his demeanor. His journey was an interesting one, and obviously, while you were you were with the Jays, I mean, he he came in pretty strong as a youngster, and then had to go back to the minor leagues and put in some work again, and and come back and be a major league starter. That doesn't happen to a lot of guys, and they often don't come back as strong as Roy did. What do you remember about him going through that? Your decision to you know make him kind of go on that path to to get his game back. Yeah, he had uh, he had some initial success. You're right, and then he struggled. Kind of had a couple of mediocre years, and then really faded in the in the last part of the year 2000. And came to spring training in 2001, just did not pitch at all very well. Uh, you know, there was a lot of uh, a lot of advice to perhaps trade him, uh, but I just thought there was too much ability there, and I thought the best course of action was to put him in a, a setting that didn't really require results no one no one was really looking for results we were looking for him to get an opportunity to work on his delivery which he did need to change you know no matter how hard you throw the ball at the major league level if if you don't have any movement on the ball major league hitters are going to hit it and that's what started to happen so we tried to find a way to get him a little more movement on his fastball and and perhaps look at developing another pitch which he did do uh, and he put in a tremendous amount of work uh, off the field in terms of building his uh, confidence and, and working with a sports psychologist. So 
Uh, I think combination of all of those things, and, and, and going back to what I said earlier about his uh, tenacious work ethic, he was back in the big leagues, I think, by July of that year. So pretty quick turnaround. Gord Ash joining us on Inside Sports, former general manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. He's going into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. Gord, your story is an interesting one because, uh, you know, obviously you had a, a, a six-year run as, as the Jays general manager and a lot of years in the front office. But di- didn't you start in the ticket office? Uh, to me, that's an interesting journey and, and a heck of a transition. I don't know if there's a Coles Notes version <laughs> of, of how you did it, but uh, tell us a little bit about how you went from uh, working in the ticket office and then eventually one day being the GM of the team. Well, I was uh, I was working in the banking industry at the time, and I really didn't care for it. It was kind of like living Groundhog Day; every day was the same. And I was looking for a little more uh, of a variety. And uh, when the Blue Jays came to Toronto, a friend of mine took a part-time job working on game day selling tickets. And the real appeal was the fact that after a couple of innings, you got in to watch the game, which is what I was interested in doing. And, just so happened that I enjoyed the uh, environment, and I asked the then ticket manager if uh, something came open full time, I'd be interested. And he called me that uh, winter. Started in February of '78 full time, and then because it was a young organization and a lot of transition, there were always seemed to be uh, openings. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to move into stadium operations and take on a more senior role there. And then in '84, moved into. Uh, the minor league uh, side of things, we were working with Pat Gillick, and then in 89 became the assistant GM. So it was a case of being in the right place at the right time, having opportunity, and, and hopefully to some extent proving that I was capable of doing those jobs. Well, I'm curious how you did that, Gord, because... I mean, you didn't you didn't play in the big leagues. You, you mentioned you came from banking, and if you're going to be an assistant general manager, general manager, you got to be able to handle the dollars and the cents. But you have to be able to identify talent and be shrewd with the you know knowing who to add when and how much they might be worth. How did you prove that in a world? And let's face it, Gore, I, I I don't think I'm uh, talking out of turn here saying that sometimes the world of pro sports isn't always overly accepting to people who maybe haven't played or coached themselves uh, in the majors or National Hockey League or whatever it is. How, how did you prove yourself in, the, in that world? Well, I, I think that's true. And, but I do think around that time it was starting to change. You know, David Dombrowski uh, uh, followed the same path. Sandy Alderson, who was a uh, high-ranking exec with the A's, followed that same path. So it was starting to change. Uh, but probably the best advice I got from, from some scouts was, uh, for the, at least the first couple of years, they handed me the rule book, said memorize it, and sit in the corner in these meetings and don't say anything. And, you know, within a couple of years, as their conversation evolved, I was saying to myself, gee, that's just what I think. So I gained a little confidence with my decisions, and I spent a lot of time with scouts and, and player development staff. Pat Gillick was very good in, in terms of... Uh, um, leading me on a path where I could uh, I could pick the brain of those that did have those experiences and uh, and and it was a tremendous learning experience. But I, I do think the other thing when you get in a senior management position, it's it's probably more about admitting or knowing what you don't know and making sure there are people that surround you that do have those expertise than than any of your own expertise. But you know, I, I think because it is such a um, 
you know, you're immersed in this. I mean, it, it's it's a it's no longer a seasonal sport. None of the sports are seasonal anymore. It's a year-round sport. You're involved in it every, each and every day, and you gain confidence with your own abilities to, to judge talent. And this was just on the cusp of uh, analytics starting, and you get that additional information as well. So it's it's uh, I think all of that blended together for a good situation for me. Gordash joining us on Inside Sports. He's going into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. He's telling you about his uh, long tenure with the Toronto Blue Jays, including runs as the assistant GM and then the GM. Okay, I got to ask you this, Gord, because for uh, a lot of people who are uh, who are old enough to remember Joe Carter's home run in 1993 is is one of the greatest moments for a lot of Canadian fans, a lot of Blue Jays fans. Uh, where were you when Joe hit the home run, and what do you remember about the few moments following the home run? <laughs> Well, I was uh, fortunate enough to be sitting about four rows right behind home plate. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was a, an interesting game. Seesaw back and forth game. And then uh, when Joe came up, there was a lot of anticipation in the ballpark. Mitch Williams was a pitcher, tough guy to hit. Uh, but Joe was a pretty good uh, slider hitter. And, uh, you know, when, the, when, he, when he made contact with the ball, I jumped up because right away I knew it was going to be a home run. I, and I recall the people around me saying, what are you doing? I mean, because I don't think it registered with a lot of people that that was way, the way the game would end. But after that, it was a blur because, of course, it was pandemonium and uh, everybody gathered in the clubhouse eventually and, and celebrated. And I think, uh, you know, to end a World Series game or a game of, a, of that kind of magnitude that way is, is really a unique thrill. And, uh, you know, I, I think even more enjoyable. The first time is always great, but this, the way this one played out was probably even more enjoyable than the 92 win. Well, an incredible moment for sure. Gord, it's it's great to have you on the show. Uh, you know that that era of uh, of the Blue Jays was was so incredible for for a lot of people, and it, it's still fondly remembered. I know the team is trying to, to to get back to that level, so hopefully that happens one day too. But again, congratulations on going into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. I hope this isn't the last time we chat. Thanks for making time for us. Anytime, thank you. Appreciate it. That is Gord Ash checking in tonight. What a pleasure to talk to him. So assistant general manager when the Blue Jays won their two World Series, uh, GM later into the 90s and into the early 2000s, drafted some really good Blue Jays like Roy Halladay, like Vernon Wells. He now he is now the VP of baseball projects for the Milwaukee Brewers. That's an incredible story. He was in banking, goes into ticketing with the Toronto Blue Jays and eventually becomes GM of the team pretty cool story and I loved how he said I have to go to scouting meetings and sit in the corner and shut up and listen and learn and then realize hey I'm kind of thinking the same thing at a lot of these guys maybe I can pull this off after all now this is going to be cool so I mentioned two of the other inductees Jason Bay and Ryan Dempster Ryan Dempster is going to be on the show on Monday two-time Major League Baseball All-Star 2013 World Series champion 16 years in the major. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
So we'll have Ryan Dempster on the show on Monday. That is going to be fun. It is 7.20. Quick timeout. Inside Sports on 6.30. Chat. Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 6.30 Chad Inside Sports. All right, what is this? Is this even appropriate for Inside Sports? It is. Sounds like there's some very racy content. It's Shawn Michaels' theme from All right. the 90s and 2000s. So this is Shawn Michaels. This is what he would run into the ring to? The Heartbreak Kid, yep. Okay, so who composed this? Okay, so Jeff, you get partial credit. Jimmy Hart's name is listed as a composer, but alongside of J.J. McGuire and Jim Johnston. So it was a team effort. And who's J.J. McGuire? Uh, some collaborator, I guess. I've All never right. heard of him, so. I think we've, we've heard enough. <laughs> done. <laughs> Just done. That's we'll, it. <laughs> we play, we'll play the Ultimate Warriors theme coming back from the 730 News. There was sure. no vocals in that, right? No, no. <laughs> Just, just pure rocking guitar. Just pure rocking, head banging guitar. Just pure rope shaking music. Admit it, you've banged your head to that theme before. What was uh, the Ultimate Warrior's real name again? Joe something. Jim Helwig. And then he changed his name to Jim Warrior. Correct. And then he passed away, unfortunately. That's right. That is sad. Yep. All right. It's seven twenty-four. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio six thirty. Ched. Got a text here from Trucker Dave. He says, Hi, Reed. I just watched the trailer for Goalie, the Terry Sawcheck movie. I'm excited for the release and looking forward to seeing it. Love when Kelly Rudy is on the show. That is from Trucker Dave, who I always appreciate hearing from. Another text to 630-630, who says, Hey, Reed, love Mike Riley, but I'm wondering if it actually wouldn't help the Eskimos long-term if he walked away. He is 34, plays a rugged game. How long can he last? It might be tough in the short term but better in the long term if the Eskimos wound up with a younger quarterback. I have I have heard that before. You can't argue with the age. Riley turned 34 on January 25th. Uh, I mean, Jonathan Jennings is a guy who might, might change teams. He's he's 26. He's had a couple of good seasons in the CFL with the Lions and a couple of pretty disappointing seasons. I don't know. I'm just as just hypothetically. Uh, I don't know what you would necessarily be getting if you're going to get Jennings. I, I will I will say this. Mike Riley didn't become a starting quarterback in pro football until, you know, basically he was in his late 20s when he joined the Eskimos uh, five years ago. So he doesn't have the miles on him um, as if he'd, he's been a starter since he was 22, 23, 24. I, I know somebody tweeted to Morley Scott today that Riley is injury prone. Well, Riley's only missed, I think Morley put it out on Twitter, I think 12 games to injury as a starter, and eight of them were in one batch in 2015. And then, oh, by the way, after he came back as a starter, the Eskimos didn't lose. So I I don't know if durability is really a concern with Riley. And don't forget, if you're a good quarterback, if you're a really good quarterback, either side of the border, you can play into your late 30s or even until you're 40. So that, that's that's an astute text. I understand the concern, um, but I don't look at Riley and say, "Oh, at 34, he's breaking down and and he's in the last couple of years his career." His career. I think I still think he could be a very good quarterback for several years. Big story for the green and gold for the CFL. Going to play out next week. We'll meet this week. 6:30, Chet MVP, and we'll visit the ranks of senior hockey when we get back.
You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. All right, there's the classic, the ultimate warrior entry song. See, it's impossible not to bob your head to it. This texture says, hey, Reed, I ran for class president with Shawn Michaels theme song as my campaign song. Of course, I won. And Jet Solver says, what no one has mentioned is Mike Riley has taken some huge hits over the last three seasons. If he isn't shopping for offensive linemen, he is nuts. That is a couple of texts to 630-630. One game in the NHL, no one has scored late in the second period. Hurricanes and the Rangers. Canada West hockey tonight. U of A Golden Bears in Calgary. Dinos lead at 1-0 halfway through the first period. The Oilers farm team, Bakersfield Condors, playing a little bit later tonight against San Jose. The Condors have won 10 straight. Andre Sekra will play for them this evening. Oilers and Sharks tomorrow on 6.30, Chad, 3.30 face-off show, and the game will start at 5. Thanks a lot for tuning in. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Furnace Family, your 24-7 furnace repair and replacement specialists. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit them online, furnacefamily.com. Some of the best memories of my career to date are covering Allen Cup playdowns and Allen Cups when I work in when I worked in Lloyd Minster, uh, a very exciting level of hockey, a very interesting level of hockey with a lot of great stories, and sometimes, quite frankly, a very controversial level of hockey, which uh, always made it interesting as a reporter. And I've continued to talk about it as uh, as I've worked here in Edmonton and with 630 Ched. And I'm pleased to welcome the president of Allen Cup Hockey West to Inside Sports. It is Richard Gregory. Richard, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. Uh, thanks for having me. Okay, so just to fill people in, and I know it changed a while ago, but if people are wondering, Allen Cup Hockey West, this is the the name now for what used to be the Chinook League, correct? That's correct, yeah. We, we did uh, undertake a bit of a, a rebranding a couple of years ago as we've started to try to align our, our AAA level of hockey out west with the AAA level of hockey out east. And we've now got uh, the Allen Cup uh, Hockey East, and the Chinook League is now known as Allen Cup Hockey West. Okay, so th- this is uh, Alberta teams as well as Rosetown from Saskatchewan are in Hockey West, correct? That's correct. We got uh, three member Alberta teams in Lacombe and Innisfail and Stony Plain, and Rosetown uh, as well, just uh, kind of on the uh, western uh, edge of Saskatchewan. Okay, Richard, I gotta ask you, and I'm, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm speaking from experience with some of this, though I'm certainly not as immersed in covering it as I would have been 12 or 15 years ago. Um, you know, Alberta's been quite organized. Uh, I know there are some leagues in Ontario that I think are still going. In my mind, it's spotty at best in other areas of the country, and I know in the past there have been provincial champions who have made the Allen Cup playdowns or without ev- or even the Allen Cup without playing in a league and sometimes not even having to play games to qualify. Is that still the, the state, or do we have more structured leagues in each region? Well, that's that's currently the state as of as of now. We did uh, commence uh, a bit of a case study last uh, last summer, where our league has gotten together with the Allen Cup East League to try to make it a more equitable and and kind of fair and delineated path to the Allen Cup. Because you're exactly right, we, you can have these kind of throw together teams that uh, card some players and play a few exhibition games and. 
depending on uh, other teams in their region, could get an automatic bid into the Allen Cup. And certainly for our league and the League Out East, that just is a problem because, you know, we play a 24-game season uh, and our uh, our players and our, our management and, and the volunteers that are involved in these teams put in a lot of hard work and, and there's a you know, the budgeting that goes into it to, to make this thing a reality and to work all year and then have a team kind of slide in the back door to the Allen Cup is something that we're actively looking at uh, at addressing and Hockey Canada is working with us and we hope that even by as early as next year we may be able to uh, have a situation where the two leagues kind of play off for the Allen Cup and you're either in or you're out from September forward. Well, I, I don't mind that idea because I think it might create a little more of uh, consistency around the tournament. I mean, maybe people would follow it a little more if they knew the stakes all season long as opposed to a bunch of guys. And, and don't get me wrong, there have been some of these assembled teams that have won the Allen Cup, like 2005 in Lloydminster when I worked there, and Thunder Bay was a team that was put together late in the season and uh, beat Horse Lake in the semifinal and then won it over the Quebec team in overtime. But still, it'd be nice if there was a little more structure and we knew the teams that were going to be involved. But i got to ask you this, Richard. I, I know you said Hockey Canada is working with with uh, Allen Cup West and East, uh, but I, I honestly wonder if they're... Because I always got the sense Hockey Canada didn't treat this tournament as, as seriously as they could have, didn't structure it as well as they could have. And by structure, I mean having somebody involved in organizing it, enforcing rules. To me, the Allen Cup's become a bit of a forgotten uh, event by Hockey Canada. And I think, I'm, I don't, I'm not even really asking a question here. I'm just throwing out my ideas. I think it might be up to people like you and team managers and people in, in Allen Cup Hockey East to take control of this because I don't know if Hockey Canada has done a good enough job with this. Well, that that's a really good point, Reed, and that's certainly... I actually met with the uh, governor of the Allen Cup Hockey East this morning, and we addressed this exact issue. Uh, the Allen Cup dates all the way back to 1908, and it's one of the oldest uh, you know, amateur hockey championships in all of Canada. Uh, yet, you're right, we there's... You know, Hockey Canada has all kinds of championships. They've got the RBC Cup, they've got the Memorial Cup, and, you know, some years ago, the CHL did kind of take over uh, um, from Hockey Canada that, that national championship at their level, and that's something that uh, myself, uh, the other governor is Brent Ladd, who you may be familiar with. He's the uh, CJHL governor and also is the governor for Rocky, uh, uh, the Alberta Cup, or sorry, uh, Allen Cup East. And we're, we're working together to maybe take the Allen Cup over from Hockey Canada, even on a probationary basis, where, you know, we can have it for a year or two, make it our own thing, preset our qualifiers, and maybe juice up the tournament uh, to what it should be. Richard Gregory joining us on Inside Sports. He's the president of Allen Cup Hockey West. By the way, the uh, the playoffs for Alberta starting this weekend. you got Stony Plain and Lacombe, Innisfail playing Rosetown in best of fives. The Allen Cup is in Lacombe in April, which is which is a great lot of history there. I know it's going to be well attended. Um, but I also understand that because of there no, being no BC team, we could get two or even three Alberta teams in the tournament. Has that been sorted out yet? Uh, so we... We have a conference call next week uh, where Hockey Canada will advise uh, how that will shake down. Um, certainly, Lacombe is in as the host, uh, uh, you're right, and a second Alberta team will go in as our 
uh, Alberta representative and with no BC team, they automatically take that kind of team Pacific role in the tournament. Um, so we'll definitely have at least two teams in. Rosetown will be playing off against the Manitoba champion uh, here in March. So we could have as many as three, possibly even four teams in the Allen Cup, uh, which is really a testament to the strength of the league and and uh, and the product that we're putting out on a nightly basis. As you would know, uh, a lot of these guys come from really strong hockey backgrounds, uh, from you know WHL to NCAA to pro and minor pro and, and lots of NHL draft picks. So it's really a great level of hockey if, if fans can get out to Lacombe in April. Well, I'll tell you what, the, the last tournament I, I really covered intensely firsthand was 2007 in Stoney. I did play-by-play for the Lloyd Border Kings. They won it. They had players who had their highest level was in Europe. Some had played American Hockey League. Some had played Western Hockey League. I'm talking about at the highest level. Some had played, as it was called, CIS. Some had played Junior A. And they had a couple guys who had played Junior B for the Lloyd Bandits the previous year and then joined the Border Kings the next season. So you get this great collection of, of, uh, of guys from different walks of life, different hockey backgrounds, and often wanting to play for the community that they either grew up in or played some junior in and, and representing them. So you get you get some great stories. And i got to tell you, Richard, from a media standpoint, we can better tell those stories if those teams are together all year long and we know who they are, right? So that's, that's a whole selfish angle, but I think you know where I'm going there. Uh, a couple of years ago, there was a highly publicized incident in a game. Ryan Smith was playing. He took a big hit. It led to discipline and suspensions. I, I don't know if either of the two teams involved were, were happy with what came, came out of that because I think there was a little uns- uncertainty about how it was going to be handled. As president now of Allen Cup Hockey West, are you trying to nail or trying to clarify anything when it comes to player discipline? Yeah, certainly that's been an emphasis uh, beginning uh, probably a, you know a couple of years ago when that incident took place. Now, I wasn't the uh, the president at that point, but certainly this summer uh, the teams made a commitment to player safety, and we've uh, we passed a resolution that all teams will will video every home game and submit the video to the league. So we do have a video review process that, that will uh, focus on kind of supplemental discipline, not a lot dissimilar than what the NHL does in analyzing, you know, headshots and uh, stealing a bit even from, from the football realm. We're looking at these situations where, where players are defenseless and, and, and can't really protect themselves from a hit and how are other players treat them in that situation uh we we really have to put an emphasis on player safety and and some protocols in place and we've done so this year for the first time uh you know we've suspended a player to based on that video review um and and you know it's tough because hockey's changing at all levels when it comes to you know physical play and body contact and and we're trying to be proactive now to address these issues and really make our players uh educated on the fact that some of the times how they grew up playing the game because we have players in their mid-30s even into their 40s that have played at such a high level and and you know they grew up playing the game a bit differently than it's played now and uh, certainly we're going to officiate it different uh and the players uh you know they have to buy in and we've seen a uh, i think a concerted effort from our management and teams and players uh, uh to get on board with what we're doing well, I, I'm I'm glad to hear this. I'm, I'm actually quite encouraged by by this conversation, Richard, because I I I still think 
The Allen Cup is important. I think it's an important trophy and an important event in Canada. It often, well, I mean, it really doesn't take place in large cities. But I, I know for me, uh, living in Lloyd, you know, covering, uh, talking to people in Stony, going to the tournament there, obviously the Bentley, now Lacombe Generals. I go back to when Thunder Bay won it, uh, Powell River won it in Lloyd in 2001. In those smaller cities, those teams represent those communities. So it may not be the first highlight package on SportsCenter TSN, but it's still important. And Gr- Richard, as you know, it is a hell of a week when you get a short tournament and you get into the semis and the final game. It is uh, an intense and unpredictable tournament. Definitely, I mean the short-term competition is is kind of its own animal when you get to that level, and uh, to get these teams that are now kind of at the pinnacle of their seasons. Uh, and in junior, it, it's not you know always a consistent or sorry in senior, it's not always a consistent roster every night, but where the time we get into provincials and playoffs and the Allen Cup, you're seeing teams with their deepest rosters and their best players available, and it's just uh, a really fun atmosphere to have you know, teams from all over Canada involved and the local communities that support it. And you're right, it is these smaller, I think, kind of hockey uh, hotbeds. Like, you know, Lloyd Minster has always been, uh, uh, you know, well-supportive of their Junior B and Junior A teams. And in Alberta, what we're seeing is communities that don't have junior A teams but have a really strong hockey culture that have an appetite for this AAA level of hockey. And we're, we're kind of trying to now describe it as simply Allen Cup hockey as opposed to senior hockey because hockey people know what it is, but the general public might look at senior hockey and yeah. think that you know we have people 50 or 60-plus that are competing. But uh, it's really Allen Cup hockey in this AAA level that uh, we're trying to promote to, to educate the public and and try to get some some younger people involved, and that's through you know social media and other things. And we're starting to see some younger fans, but you know our demographic is an older kind of uh, age group that I think traditionally would have grown up watching and loving senior hockey. So yeah, we're 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 looking at kind of pursuing all avenues to to get our brand out there and and kind of uh, reinvigorate the public in in senior hockey that's been around for over 100 years. Well. Please keep in touch. I'll, I'll be following the uh, Allen Cup Hockey West playoffs for sure, and it's it's awesome that the Allen Cup is in Lacombe. We'll have to get some more stories on the air about some of the players and coaches in that tournament as we move closer to the date. Richard, sounds like you're doing great work. Please keep it up, and please keep in touch. Thanks very much, Reed. Appreciate it. That is Richard Gregory checking in tonight, the president of Allen Cup Hockey West. Uh, give him a Google and uh, check out their website and see who's playing where. Stony Plain going for uh, another Allen Cup run as well. They've always been very strong. Uh, I'm encouraged by what he told me. This this has to be a level of hockey that is more organized, and and I know, I know it's very important in a lot of communities. Sometimes the teams ebb and flow in terms of participation and strength, but this is a, a Canadian tradition. And, and I think Richard made a good point. Maybe it's time Hockey Canada lets some other people look after it because I think there are some people who, quite frankly, care more about this tournament than Hockey Canada does. And maybe it's time for for Richard and uh, his colleagues in Allen Cup Hockey East. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. To really take control of this level of hockey in the tournament. We're back with this week's 630 Chet MVP. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. We've had a fun show. Hope your Friday evening is going well. Hey, the 630 Chet MVP is presented by Elite Promotional Marketing. This athlete was also featured on Global News this past Tuesday. Get the video in the MVP section on 630Chet.com, and the MVP gets Under Armour apparel. And I am pleased to welcome to the show Kathy Crawford. Kathy, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. It's great to have you on the show. Congratulations on being this week's 630 Chet MVP. Uh, Kathy, now you're on because of your swimming prowess. Now tell us, oh, how yeah. long how long have you been a swimmer? Well, I, I learned to swim in Saskatchewan uh, when I lived with my family on the farm, and we swam and learned to swim in the dugout at first. And then I went to high school in Saskatoon, and uh, a girlfriend and I decided to take some swimming lessons, and the only swimming pool, indoor swimming pool they had in the winter was the one at the YMCA. And uh, once a week, the women were able to go there and swim. So we went on a Tuesday after school and took juniors and beginners, I mean beginners and juniors, and uh, that was the only swimming uh, lessons I've ever taken. But I just love the water, and uh, I enjoy swimming, so I've just always kept it up. Awesome. Well, you've kept it up for, for quite a while. How many candles were on your last birthday cake, Kathy? Uh, Ninety. Amazing. And how often do you swim these days? Well, uh, in the winter, not as much as I do in the summer months. But uh, uh, I've swam very little, actually, since before Christmas. But uh, I'll get back to it. Now, for your birthday, you had a bit of a special project with your swimming. Can you tell everybody about that? Well, um, it was that I planned being uh, turning 90, I decided I'd try to swim 90 lengths. And uh, I didn't accomplish that. I swam 80 go- lengths, and uh, uh, the time was up for us to use the pool, so I got out of the water at that point. So uh, that's all I did was 80. Well, that's that's quite a bit. I think that's probably more than, than most people would would do. That that that's amazing. So you you obviously still you still feel great, and you're still a really good swimmer. Yes, I do. I I enjoy the water, and I feel good swimming, and uh, I can swim without getting tired uh, too for quite a long time. So uh, I just enjoy it all. Now, and I, I know you, you obviously have a pretty big and a pretty loving family, uh, you know, kids, grandkids, and great-grandkids. Were a yes. lot of them able to join you at the pool for, for that day? Um, I don't know how many were there. There were a few there, but I, I really don't know. 
Okay, but there were quite a few there to support you, eh? Yeah, there were a few. What did that mean to you? Oh, yes, it's wonderful to have the support of family. I think that's an important thing in everybody's life. What would you say to younger people about just the importance of, of being active, whether they like to swim, run, play tennis, go for walks, or whatever? How has just having a, a constant activity that you love to do, tell us how that has helped you, not just physically, but I would imagine maybe mentally as well. Yes, I, I think it's absolutely wonderful, and I recommend that everyone should have a, a, a sport or some particular thing that they love to do. Uh, it isn't always uh, sports, but sports is good because it keeps you in good physical shape. Uh, others might uh, enjoy reading and things like that. I, I don't read a lot myself, but I surely enjoy being active and doing sports. Well, Kathy, this is a, a great story. Uh, I, I hope we can keep updating this and see how many laps you're doing. And congratulations on being this week's 630 Chet MVP. All the best. Well, thank you very much. That is Kathy Crawford, 90 years of age, this week's 630 Chet MVP, presented by Elite Promotional Marketing. Awesome story. Hey, we got to sign off for the night. Tomorrow afternoon, I'll join you at 3.30 from Studio 99 in Rogers Place for the face-off show, play-by-play of the Oilers and Sharks at 5. Talk to you then. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.